Cheers! Kampai! Salute! Gambe! Skull! Prost! Hello, and welcome to the Drunken Storytellers podcast, where I tell folk tales and folklore from around the globe. So sit back, grab yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of the Drunken Storyteller. Before I go on a spiel about things, um, a little bit odd this week, due to random stuff happening, like feeling a bit grotty for various reasons, I am drinking some orange juice rather than my usual beverages, but I'll try and keep up the snarky comments as I usually do, so don't worry about it too much. But yeah, obviously there was no um, episode last week. Um, and that was for various reasons. That was uh, one stress of work and, and stuff happening. And other things were, as I've been blabbering on about for the last god knows how long, Virtual Horrorcon was last weekend, so I was prepping stuff for that. What, the two things that I was meant to be prepping for, though, um, the two games that I was running didn't actually happen. Um, again, because of all the, the work stuff and, and things that were going on. So they will happen at some point, though um, not sure when. There are plans. There are plans afoot, and they they will happen. So, um, yes. They will, ha- they will also hopefully be streamed, um, whereas the original plan was they weren't going to be streamed. But I have plans with, with people to do some streaming of things and Vesson and folklore and stuff and I'm well excited so yeah where am I in my notes I have actually written notes here and I'm just kind of rambling because I was trying to sort some stuff out just then so um yes uh other than other than not doing those games um that I'd intended to run VHC was actually friggin amazing uh, virtual hologram was was amazing I did get to playing in the game so that was good. I got to play uh, a rather angry werewolf who just liked to go and uh, randomly jump at people um, in a game of Urban Shadows Second Edition. So Urban Shadows is a dark fantasy game. Really, really good. It was great fun. Modern fantasy. Played a grumpy werewolf. They get belly rubs. I do get belly rubs, which was quite fun. Um, and there's a hell crack. There's lots of hell crack. Hell crack for the for the world. I think um, can be nicknamed that one. That game could be nicknamed Hellcrack, and then there were um, there were a couple of panels that I was on, um, and a couple of other panels and things that I watched, which were amazing. The things that so I did run that folklore panel that I was talking about. That was amazing. I tried not to fanboy over Mark a little bit, but yeah, we talked about all manner of stuff, and it was brilliant and was really really well received. That will be going up on Gehenna Gaming's YouTube at some point in the next month or so, and I will link to that when it goes up. But yeah, um, we all got we all had a great little chat and answered some questions from uh, the audience and stuff, and we were talking about all different things related to folklore and gaming in folklore and stuff. So, and we gushed over Vesson and how good it is as well. So, woo! <laughs> yeah, I did a mini painting tutorial stream thing with Chris from Dark Days in the Saturday morning, which was basically when nobody was awake to watch it because it's run in America, and it was even a little bit early for us, even though we were in England. Um, what else was I on? What else did I do? I think that was all that I was on. There was a, a cool, a really cool um, uh, panel on occultism and ritual magic. There were some really cool people on there, which was great. 
and again that all all of the panels and things and and live stream games will be up on YouTube at some point. Um, so you can actually go and catch all that stuff up, or you can go onto the Gehenna Gaming Twitch and watch them on VOD. So they are still there, and there's also stuff on Carrion Comfort Studios and Darker Days Radio um, Twitch streams. If you want some of the other weird stuff that they did, so do I recommend it? But yes, so um, there are plans afoot for some uh, folklore Vesson streamed games at some point, and maybe I'll do it on my my Twitch. So some Scottish theme stuff there, and I think there's going to be some German fairy tales and maybe some American folktale related stuff with Vesson. We'll see how it works. But yeah, so there's some interesting plans afoot with that. Um, so we'll see we'll see what goes on with that. Anyway, I've rambled enough for five minutes or so on absolutely nothing. As per usual, yeah. Isn't that good? But yeah, it was freaking amazing. I had so much fun that weekend. Um, and I was awake until about five o'clock Monday morning watching random games. Aliens run as a Jurassic Park game was really fun. Anyway, enough of my ramblings and on to the episode. So, <clears throat> as you may have guessed by the, the, the rest of the title is actually all about those large buggers um, that like generally like to go around and smash things and steal people away and, and, and eat chickens and, and are generally really big and angry and scary and steal people. Uh, and so yeah, I couldn't think of a snarky title to it for this episode, so I actually just called it Giants and VHC. And yes, it's about giants. Surprise, surprise. Apparently I'm gonna change styles again. I don't think I am. I think this is generally gonna be following roughly the same format as our recent episodes, I'm going to talk about them, and then I'm going to read a story. There's only going to be one story, um, so don't get too excited about, about that, but I am going to mumble on about um, giants for a little bit, butcher some uh, words, and just kind of generally just talk crap. So enjoy the crap! Yay! So, dumb question time. What is a giant, I hear you ask? Well, if you don't know what a giant is, then where the fuck have you been for the last millennia or so? But yeah, in the context of folklore, what is a giant, I should really say. So in folklore and myths and legends, they're generally creatures which have human form, but superhuman size. As if you couldn't guess. So the word giant comes from the Greek gigantes, or gigantes or gigantes it's a Greek word from ancient Greek mythology um, I'm not a language expert but yeah Greek mythology who also have a lot of giant who have a lot of giants in them and even bigger things commonly known as titans and these things are big bastards but we're not going to look at Greek mythology today so sorry apparently the first time the word appeared in the English language though was kind of around the 7th century 7th 13th century should not try and do these things when you're feeling a bit crappy. Uh, first appeared in the English language in the 13th century, and it comes via Greek, via Latin, and French. Uh, most English words come from elsewhere, so there's no surprise there. Yeah, English language is basically a bastardised amalgamation of many, many European languages with a few of our own words. Uh, we like to steal words. Uh, and if you look at the English history, we steal a lot of other things as well. But we're not going to the British Museum and Egypt and things like that. So, <laughs> um, this is what I find quite nice about the, the, the word giant. It replaced the old English word ent, or eoten, 
So, uh, which I think we should bring back because Ent, as much as it was kind of cool in Lord of the Rings, I think Ent as a term for giant is kind of cool. Um, or big tree spirit kind of thing, I don't know. So, uh, on a side note, gigantism is also a medical condition that does exist and it causes people to grow over seven feet tall. And it could be one of the kind of roots of where the word comes from. Not gigantism, but the disease making people big and giant could also kind of reflect maybe a little bit of where the, the thing comes from, but probably not. Um, and I'll kind of go through that just now as to where some people think giants come from and the meanings behind them. And again, I'm just rambling shit here. Some of this I've looked up, so uh, I apologise to anybody who's listening and actually knows more than me, which is probably a lot of you. In folklore, giants are a simple concept on the surface. Mmm, simple. They are large, scary creatures uh, that cause terror and destruction, which is kind of true in most fairy tales and folklores that you hear about giants they do cause a lot of destruction but there are some where they are quite nice and friendly and kind of what you see with a lot of folklore as well that it slowly changes over time so the church gets more power you start to see this kind of flip in folklore of certain things being nice nice and calm and friendly and it switches over to it them being kind of more evil and malevolent as we kind of go through and the same thing happens with witches quite a lot as the church kind of gets more power and more influence and tries to control people more it shifts the focus to some extent of of the meanings behind things um, as it's just trying to grab power um, i'm not going to get into religious discussions but we do in folklore see this kind of morphing um, of ideas and creatures within it so but yeah cool so uh, on a deeper level though uh, giants we're talking about giants not religion giants er, big grub, er, angry things yeah, on a deep level, they um, represent the frailty of the human condition and our mortality uh, because um, there are things out there that can hurt us and they are big and they are scary and when we were living in villages in the middle of nowhere surrounded by woods and creatures and things that things hunted us as well and some of those things that hunted us looked human because probably some of them were human but also, here's a thought. Could there be a relation to the Uncanny Valley here? That that unnerving thing of something looking like what we expect it to. So humans hunting humans. Anyway, uh, that might be something to look at. I don't know. I could be talking out of my ass, which is probably more than likely, and it's probably just what I do anyway, isn't it? I talk out of my ass. What else have we got going on here? Giants also appear all over the globe in folklore. Uh, so they are quite quite well known obviously within England and, and Europe so it's a simplistic idea of a big ass scary monster so we have things like the, the classic tale of Jack the Giant Killer like one of the most famous um, stories out there that kind of morphed into Jack and the Beanstalk and things like that so you do you do see them in quite a lot of pop culture as well but we also have tales from nearly every no tales from nearly every country I think that should say county but anyway, uh, yeah, so we have tales from nearly every county um, that include giants. And we have, in England, we have the great Gog Magog. I love that name, Gog Magog. Who doesn't like a good Gog Magog? Um, he was slew by the Trojans and yeeted off a cliff into Cornwall. Into Cornwall? No, into the sea in Cornwall. <laughs> um, yeah, and the Trojans came along. They slew all the giants. They slew Gog Magog. 
um, who was the leader of the giants. They yeeted him off a cliff, and uh, the Trojans fo- uh, founded Avalon. And that's a really cool story, which I will talk about one day. Um, and I'll also talk about where the giant race came from in the British Isles, because that's a cool story as well. It involves witches and all sorts of weird stuff and Persians and ladies. So yeah, also won't go into the connotations that the Avalon and, and the great... Is it Avalon? Do I mean Avalon? I don't know. Anyway, the great British early thing that we were, we were made from the Greeks. We're actually descendants of Greeks, so screw you people who worship George and the Dragon and say England. Rah. No, according to myth and legends, we're Greeks. There's a weird thing for you. <laughs> and the giants are Persians. Uh, as I said, I think I said this earlier, but I'm almost certain I said this earlier. Uh, not all giants are evil. Um, some of them are actually quite nice and they are helpful. And some of them are even great kings of England. And one of the great, greatest kings of England, um, you can look at someone called Ben... Uh, let's see if I can get this right. It's a Welsh name. Bendigetfren, or Bran the Blessed, uh, the Blessed Crow, who in the second branch of the Mabinogion, uh read the Mabinogion, it's awesome. Um, he walks across the Irish Sea to free his sister Branwyn. Uh, so yeah, he literally just kind of gets up and walks through the ocean, keeping his head above the water. So he big. Um, he also they also use his head, I think, at some point to cross a river. He like lies down across a river and his army marches across him. Um, and the Irish have to build him a massive house or something. He's like he's big. He's like he is lit- a literal giant, and he's a king of England, and he does some cool stuff. And then his head gets chopped off, and he talks to people for eighty years. It all goes a bit weird. It's a bit like a trippy dream at the end of that bunch. I will look into the Mabinogion again at some point. I'll break it down into the four branches and then all the many other stories that are actually part of it. A lot of people only ever think that the Mabi is four, four branches, but there's lots of other extra small little stories on top of it. But anyway, I digress. I need to be talking about giants, not one of my favourite mythology books. Uh, as mentioned, there are giants from all over the place. Um, so we've got giants from the Mediterranean countries. So obviously we've got Greek mythologies where we've got the Titans, who tried to throw overthrow Mount Olympus, and uh, the race of Cyclops uh, as well. So they're kind of like one-eyed giants. There exist Rome in the Roman tales with Jupiter fighting them. So um, there are Roman giants. There's giants in Catalonia. Date back. To, there are statues of the giants in Catalonia that date back to the 14th century uh, that represent historical f- figures and villages. Um, and it'd be kind of cool to look at some Spanish or Catalonia uh, folklore and folk tales. It's not something I really have ever looked at Spain. Um, it's not some. It's not really a country that I associate with folklore, but I imagine it's got some amazing stories. Next up, we have probably where most people know giants from, and that is the Jotun of Nordic mythology, and their never-ending humiliation at being defeated by Thor in various feats of strength and wars and battles and things, and drinking competitions where he drinks an ocean. And lifts up a cat. Uh, so they come in. They, they they come in a few different flavors in in the um, sagas and the eddas. Uh, so you've got the massive imposing frost giants. This is where I'm going to start butchering names. So I've got the names written down here in Norse. I'm going to try and pronounce them, and I'm going to butcher them. So I apologize, but I think it's kind of 
interesting to see if I can. So, Frost Giants. Hrimthusar. The Fire Giants. Eldjotna. And the Mountain Giants. Bergrisar. Um, so, there you go. That's what they're called. So, you've got Frost, Fire, and Mountain Giants. Um, and also, in the Nordic mythology, uh, you see Loki is technically a, a frost giant. He is adopted by Odin. Um, he is found as a child alone. I think Odin kills his mother, maybe? And uh, Odin adopts him, and he's the brother of Thor, or stepbrother of Thor. Um, but there's also, beyond just the, the, the Eddas and, and the Havamal and things, there are folk tales of giants living across the Scandic lands, so you'll get them in the villages and things across Norway, Sweden, um, and all the other Scandinavian countries, even up into uh, the one right at the top, Finland. I know my geography. Uh, um, I will definitely look into um, probably the folktale versions of giants in Scandinavia at some point. I will do some stuff on the Viking. Well, I won't, I'm not going to use the word Viking on the Norse, the Norse Eddas and sagas and things. I was listening to the latest episode of the not the latest episode episode before of the folklore podcast where mark talks to um Ina, the the lead singer of wardrina he Ina makes the specific comment that he does not refer to his music as viking he refers to it as nordic and uh, i should try and get into the head that these are nordic tales they are not viking tales but anyway uh, beyond europe we we also have um giants outside of Europe, uh, even though they are mostly associated with North, um, European mythology, we do see them in Asia. So as always, we go to my favourite, uh, Japan, and you can kind of consider the Oni um, to be giants in some respect. So it's they're big, scary-ass creatures who like to bash humans over the head with massive iron clubs. Um, the direct kind of translation, though, is more of ogre or troll. And in a way, they are kind of more ogreish and troll-like, but they are also massive. They are generally eight to twelve feet tall, and, and generally not very nice. They are very strong, and as they carry heavy clubs. And if you want to hear a tale that, and, and maybe meet one, go to episode one and listen to the uh, the story which I wrote. There might be one in that. Uh, so um, where else have we got? Oh, there's a fun tale um, that involves an oni, uh, orni, I should say. And that's of the Inch Boy, who is a small boy who was eaten by the ogre and fights his way out of the stomach using a pin. So that's kind of fun. You know, like stabbing the belly of the, the Oni with a pin from the inside and bursts out of his belly. Kind of a alien-like. Ooh, maybe we're giants to aliens. And the only reason they eat us is because we used to eat them. Ooh, no, no, ignore that. Anyway, um, while I was looking at this, I found something that I'd never heard before, and uh, there appears to be kind of only one English translation of this that I can find. Um, and there's a, it's a story from Indonesia called uh, Tutumu, and Tutumu and the Giant, and I really like that name, Tutumu. Um, but it's a girl called Tutumu who is eaten by a giant, and the mother cuts it open to free her. And then, kind of like you see in the Inch Boy and Tutumu, they're a little bit like the Little Red Riding Hood in a way. Um, you've got to cut someone open to free them, cut the bad thing open to free the person who got eaten. So, yeah. Right, where are we now? Okay, we're now moving on to modern tales to some extent. Um, so, this is something that 
I kind of looked at as a result of the folklore panel I did for Virtual Horrorcon. Um, we got asked a question: Do is there any American? Is it something like is there any American folklore, or does is America old enough to have folklore and things? And yes, yes, America does have folklore. Um, and it's not just the Native Americans um, who have the folklore, but also the white colonial fucknut Americans. Um, I'm not assault insulting Americans here. There are some very nice Americans out there, and I have some very good friends who are Americans, but I'm trying to say, you know, uh, like the people who moved in on the land um, and aren't Native Americans. They have created their own folklore, and there are some folk tales and things in it. There's a lot of folk horror there's gothic, um, there's a lot of American gothic stuff out there which can be considered folklore. Um, and if you listen to the latest episode, I'm plugging this a lot, but the latest episode of the Folklore Podcast, Mark talks about Bernie's mittens, which are now modern folklore. They are effectively folklore. And you've also got things like Slenderman is considered folklore as well, even though we know exactly when and where that was created. Um, we even know the person who invented it. So, But yeah, anyway, so American folklore. Um, there are a few kind of mentions of giants, though they are generally referred to as big men rather than giants in American folklore. So you've got the most famous lumberjack to have ever existed, Paul Bunyan, and his friend, and I love this name, Babe the Blue Ox. He has a massive blue ox and he's called it Babe. I'm just like, all right, Babe, all right, Babe, how's it going? It's like proper, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, then there's also John Henry um, and Pes Pe Pecos Bill, um, who is a cowboy. So um, there are two kind of less well-known ones there. Um, John Henry is uh, kind of a minor steel drill driver thing related to the slave trade. There's a little bit of iffiness going around on that one. And Pecos Bill is a kind of is takes on the. Um, what do you want to call it? Takes on the idea of the wild child, I suppose. The wild boy image. Um, he gets lost in the wild and is raised by coyotes. He's then found by his brother and is raised a cowboy um, and things. So um, I will actually, I'm actually, as a result of that uh, panel, I want to do a couple of episodes on American folklore and actually look into it and kind of see where it is because it's kind of interesting. A lot of it has arisen from um, the pilgrims and all the, the immigrants from Europe who came over there. And there's also, obviously, you're going to have folklore that's come across from the slave trade. And so it ha it's gonna have it has a very weird mix of tales um, I suppose you can kind of look at something like the Can Candyman movies as well it kind of relates to it so but obviously I'm going to touch it with very ginger gloves because there are connotations and connections to some very nasty things in that and it's kind of why I've stepped away from certain areas before because um, things like the Mesoamerican tales and the Native American tribes and things I, I'm reluctant to to look into those for various reasons but yeah um i could spend quite a lot of time kind of delving into the details of different countries and areas that talk about giants and things but i don't want to do that because otherwise then i'd have nothing for another episode but yeah so we also have um um and I, the, this is one of the stories that i was going to tell 
um, but I'm not going to for various reasons. Uh, basically, it was too much effort to put a story together on it um, in the limited time that I had. And that is that was the tale of Kumbhakarma, who is a Hindi god um, who fights in a battle and is killed and stuff. Um, kind of called the giant demon or the demon giant, I can't remember. Um, but I didn't look into it enough to actually write a story about it. Um, so, but it seemed quite cool, and I did want to kind of delve in again into something non-European, but again, time and other things kind of got in the way. Uh, yeah. So, um, the only other thing that I kind of want to mention, um, which I found quite interesting while I was looking this up, is that um, is the kind of religious connection that I was obviously I talked about a little bit earlier um, with the religion. There's um, a well-known word that is often connected to angels that actually has more of a connection when you look into it to giants and that is nephilim nephilim are giants and there's a connection with something called the book of giants which is a judeo a judist oh, what's the word a judaic book i suppose connections with the dead sea scrolls and things i didn't look into it too much but there are connections there with the nephilim and giants and maybe one day i'll look into that whether i do it as a as a kind of thing on religion or whether i do it as a thing on giants and look at just nephilim anyway because i just like the name nephilim 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 but yeah so anyway um that's it for this part of the episode and now it's time for the second part of the episode so this part is obviously recorded after the youtube part and i have noticed that there has been a lot of weird noise and feedback on my mic so i've tried to edit that out on the first part of the episode i've done my best there are there is still a bit of noise in places i do apologize i'm not a sound engineer and well again sorry i hope it's not too much of an issue i've done my best to try and get rid of stuff so um i do apologize about that anyway so yeah uh, the first part of the episode was me just rambling about shit and, and giants and stuff and now i'm actually going to tell you a story i'm hoping i'm not going to get feedback on the mic if i do i'm keeping an eye on it and i'll try and edit it all out or re-record the bits that do get um noise on them so uh, as i say i was i was thinking about doing the the hindi t- hindi story but i've actually decided that i'm gonna stick within within the locality of england and the british isles and i'm gonna go for an irish story i've not actually done an irish story i've realized well, actually no i say that and then i just realized i did an irish vampire a couple of weeks ago so ignore that <laughs> Um. <coughs> yeah um fuck so yeah instead i'm gonna look at uh an irish tale uh it involves the tuatha de danon those wonderful mythological early progenitors of ireland and the great emerald isle uh, and it's also kind of one of the stories that creates some of the, the mythical creatures and the mythical weapons and things. And it leads on to some of the great stories of the 
of Ireland. So let's begin. The story that I'm actually going to talk about and the creature that I'm going to talk about is the giant Balor. And as always, I have taken um, great liberties with the story, uh, combining various sources and just kind of fucking with it. And uh, it's not a faithful retelling, uh, and it is just me mashing shit together. So, let's begin with Balor, the one-eyed giant. Balor, he who existed before the great war between the Tuatha de Danann and the Fyrbolg for the Emerald Island, king of the Fomors, a powerful race of sorcerers. Balor of the evil eye, the mighty blow, son of Baronach and husband of Kethlen, lived upon Tory Island. Yep, he was a dick, and levied massive taxes on the sons of Nemet, like all money-grabbing Tories. Fuck you, you twats. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a lefty, and fuck anybody else. If you want to steal money off the poor and fuck the NHS, then tough shit um, said to be so massive that it took four men to lift his sole eyelid which no one could actually do because bad shit would happen if you did actually open his fucking eyes uh, and especially his one eye which was fucking evil because he's a Tory he lives on Tory Island um, but the eye was covered with seven cloaks to keep it away from the land if they are removed, the first will cause ferns to wither, the second, grass to redden, the third, the wood and the trees to warm, and the fourth, the wood and the trees to burn, the fifth, the, the lands begin to heat, and the last two, the world would burn. His gaze could turn men to stone. So pretty much he was an evil, one-eyed giant male Medusa, living in Ireland and a conservative Tory twat. Being an evil giant, not one of the nice ones. One day he was travelling the, the lands away from Tory Island, which is actually a real place. Uh, it's a small island just off the northwest coast of Ireland. So yeah, I'm, I'm bitch-slapping Tories and things, but Tory Island is a real place. You can all fuck off there as well if you want to. It's really small and you'll drown because none of you will fit. Um, he spotted a fine-looking white cow. That, for some bizarre reason, had a green spot, so it was basically a lesser-known green-spotted cow, uh, who are now extinct, and that may probably be due to this fucknugget giant. Now, the cow was actually magical, and could fill 20 urns of milk and not run dry, and was proudly owned by Goibinu, uh, the smith. Despite having hooves that faced the wrong way, or maybe because of it, uh, it had a habit of uh, kind of like wandering off, so it's like, yeah, I've got feet, and they go the wrong way. I'm going to try and walk to you, my master. But while I try and walk to you and look at you, my feet go the wrong way. So I'm just going to walk off somewhere else. What a fucking useless cow. But it made milk. So, uh, But Bellor being Bellor, he decided that he wanted this weird-ass backwards over-milk-producing cow. Uh, and on that day that Bellor decided to take the cow... There was a young fellow by the name of Kian who left who was left guard. Ugh. 
and on that day a young fellow by the name of Kian was left to guard said cow. Lucky for some, unlucky for others. Kian was not a weak warrior, and he knew how to handle himself in a fight. So rather than be all big and mean and smashing like any self-respecting monstrous-sized sorceress giant would be, Bella used his sorcery, the little cheeky fucking bastard that he is, and he put Kian to sleep. Bellor picked up the cow under one arm and walked back home. Now, I'm guessing Kian here is like probably some kind of superhuman as well, and not just like a normal sized human, because the way Bellor is described in a lot of the, the the mythology and stuff is he's fucking big and he's fucking mean, like four men to open a fucking eyeball. And then uh, he's scared of like one man guarding a cow, so I'm guessing Kian is a is 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 a is a little bit of a beast, um, which is why Bellor just kind of went doo 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 sleep, uh, rather than stand on top of him and squish him. So, yeah. Anyway, Kian when he wakes up, he's like, ah, fuck, I balls this up, haven't I? Um, knowing that he's failed the smith, he kind of goes to the smith and goes, sorry mate, I fucked up. Um, I'll put my head on your anvil and you can smash my head open if you want, but I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to go and fuck with fuck with, uh, with Balor. No matter what, I'm going to go over and get my revenge and, and do one over on him. Don't you worry, You've, I've got your back here. And, uh, well... Weirdly, the smith says, all right, okay, cool. I'm not going to smash your head open on the, on the anvil. Uh, I'm going to let you go over there, and I'm going to let you try and fuck with Balor. Uh, so that's what he does. But the story goes that there was actually a prophecy on Balor that his grandson would be the one to kill him. To stop this, Balor, being the prick that he is, locked his only daughter deep inside his keep, in the bottom cells of a tower, locked deep away, to keep her away from all men. Yeah, as we as we see in a lot of folklore, women, uh, well, they're not treated great. Um, and yeah, well, we'll gloss over that, because actually in some of the later kind of Irish folk tales, especially the the tale of Finn McCall and stuff like that. There's some really cool feminist ideas in there, but at this moment, yeah, women are not treated well, and uh, the daughter is pretty much a side product, and it doesn't get much better for her in this story. So I do apologise about this, but ignoring the treatment of women, I do kind of think some of the parts of this story are kind of cool. So yeah, right, where are we? Uh, Kian, he he manages to get his way over to Tory Island and to the the keep of Balor himself. Uh, wanting to get his revenge, he does get in there and he manages to find out about the daughter locked away in the tower. So he decide, he, he communes with Mananan, uh, the god of the oceans, the Irish god of the oceans. Now I've probably pronounced that wrong, it's late and I'm kind of, yeah, as I said earlier, not feeling great. So I do apologise about the pronunciation of Manana. Um, but yeah, he, he manages to learn about her and gains access to the tower via Manana. And, uh, well, he 
all I can say is three sons were born. It doesn't really go into details as to whether it was consensual or not. So, yeah, as I say, it doesn't get better for the daughter. It may be better. They may have spent time down together and worked it all out and had a really wonderful relationship and loving relationship. And yes, they wanted to have children together. But the way that this story goes, I don't think that's the way it actually happens horribly. And I probably should have taken liberties and made it a really wonderful love story. Um, but yeah, it's it's not great that she basically... She gives birth to three sons and then Balor, who is mightily pissed off when he finds out about this shit, um, he decides that, yeah, no, fuck that. You've had children and I know the prophecies and, and, and my children, my grandson is designed to kill me, uh, deigned to kill me, so I'm going to fucking yeet these fuckers into the sea and drown the bastards. And that's what he does. However... Manan was well aware of what was happening in his waters and was like, yeah, no, you fucking dickhead giant, you're not allowed to do this, uh, and I'm well aware of the prophecies, so I'm going to spare one of these children, and it's not going to die, and, well, I'm going to raise it as my own child, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise him, and he's going to become Lu, the kin of the Tuatha de Danann. And, well, we all know about the Tuatha de Danann if you know about folklore and Irish Celtic mythology and shit. So, yeah, real big mistake there, you dickhead giant. Because from his line would eventually become all the major heroes of Ireland, even Corcullan and the Fionn, and their amazing tales that we'll talk about the other day. Uh, uh, the other day? Another day. Especially the Fionn cycle, because... Oh my god, some of those stories are so amazing. Kian also managed to escape uh, and tell the deeds of his success to the smith, who was well pleased, but still sad that he had no magical lesser green spotted backward walking white cow though. And Kian disappears into the Greenlands never to be heard of again. Now, Balor's rage and power grew, uh, as did his depredations, because, well... He thinks he's killed all his children, and therefore he thinks he's invincible, so he's like, yeah, well, fuck you, I can do what I like. But, well, shit. We all know what's happening here. Much later on, when the battle between the Fearbolg and the Tuatha de Danann raged at the Battle of the Mortora, Balor was so mighty that he joined the fight just for the pleasure of smashing stupid manlings who were trying to take his lands and power. Not really caring for either sides, he just went in and beat the crap out of people, to be honest. However, as prophecies are wont to do, come true, that is, if you didn't really kind of guess it, Luf was leading the forces of the Dedanan and uh, saw Balor, not knowing him as the good old granddaddy that he was, but just as some big-ass, bastardy, greedy, angry giant, he shot a fiery stone from his sling, hitting Balor in his evil eye slaying him. His head was removed and placed in the bough of a mighty oak tree, which absorbed the venom and evil from his head, and would later be used to make the shield for Finn McCullough, and oh my god does Finn McCall have some fucking amazing stories. Again, we'll come back to those in the Fionn cycle. And then the blood from the eye weeped out and created the lake of Sul Balra, or Loch Nalsul, Loch Nasul, or the Lake of the Eye, which is actually a real place in Ireland. It's kind of in the northwest 
It's a very small lock, but yeah, it's actually a real place. Uh, there you have it. There's a story of an Irish bastard-ass sorcery giant who just liked to fuck with people and steal cows, apparently, which led to his demise. And the start of the Tuatha de Danann in Ireland and the start of and, and kind of the roots of some of the amazing stories with, with Finn McCall and some of the Fionn cycle and stuff. And I could go on for hours about that stuff, but we're not going to because that's going to be another episode or another billion episodes beyond that because, oh my God, the stories. Anyway, that's it for me for this episode. Uh, please do like and subscribe to all of my content wherever wherever you may see it hopefully on the podcast because that's where i'm really trying to push things so if you're on spotify uh, just share it around and follow me if you're on podbean follow me if you're on apple do follow me give me a a rating and give me a um what do you call it a comment leave me a comment leave me a, a rating and comment because they are the best ways actually for the the podcast to get known the more likes, listens, comments and subscribes that I get on the podcasts, the more people will actually eventually hear about it. Um, you can also find me over on Twitter at the Drunken Store one and that is S- that is T-H-E-D-R-U-N-K-E-N-S-T-O-R and then the number one because Twitter's an arse and wouldn't let me have story. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at The Drunken Storyteller. You can email me at thedrunkenstorytelleruk at gmail.com. Uh, send me suggestions on topics and stories to cover and talk about and other inane random shit to ramble on about. Also, you can go check me out on my other podcasts over at Darker Days Radio where we talk about horror-themed RPGs based in the world of darkness and Chronicles of Darkness. Basically, on Path publishing shit. Um, we also look at maybe some of the Free League stuff as well. We also talk about Warhammer RPGs as well. Um, and we've just, I was going to say, we have just started. We've been running our Empire, uh, our Empire, our Enemy Within campaign for a couple of months now. Uh, you can find most of those videos over on Gehenna Gaming on their Twitch and the video on demand stuff. Uh, and the first two episodes are on Gehenna Gaming YouTube. And more will follow soon, I hope. But that all depends on kind of their virtual Horicon stuff and their release schedule on that. Um, when the videos that I'm involved in come out from Virtual Horicon onto YouTube, either via Gehenna Gaming, Carrying Comfort Studios, or Darker Days Radio Twitch, I will link to them somewhere. Don't know where. Probably on Facebook and Twitter. So you can kind of go follow them there. Um, I do recommend following Gehenna Gaming and Carrying Comfort Studios because they post up a lot of cool RPG stuff. Um, Darker Days Radio, we are slowly starting to kind of build our Twitch stuff. But it's very much a new area for us on that one. Anyway, the drink has run dry now. And all that is left for me to say is thank you and goodbye, my friends.